I'm Deanna. And I'm Wendy. And this is Left to Watch. Where we look at left, uh, leftists with YouTube and analyze their videos. So, uh, today we're going to talk about, in our first episode, we're going to talk about some of the fallout from the Andy uh, harassment scandal. We're going to talk about Sarah Zed's new video, Social Clout as Currency. And we're also probably going to talk about a few pop culture things, aren't we? Yes! Right now, within the pop culture sphere, there's a ton of dark sided stuff going on right now, especially within Black History Month. I want a do-over for Black History Month. I want the whole thing tarnished and done with. Like, if we have to move Black History Month to June, then we need to do it because there has this been... kind of sucked. I'm it's been be dark-sided. It's so much dark-sidedness from blackface to proceeding to the still continuation of the R. Kelly scandal to Jesse Smollett now. I'm even going to put in Angie Speaks and what she's been dealing with. It's... It's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot, a lot. And I like, and I say this as a white person, even I've noticed, and my white ass is usually <laughs> about things like this, but even I've been like, I've been, instead of seeing like the stuff that I'm used to seeing, like it's really great black excellence, stuff like that. I've been seeing like people treating the Jesse Smollett thing in particular, like the only thing that matters and just all sorts of things. And even the politicians so. currently, the Democratic Party of Virginia has it has come out that some of them have been at parties where they have done blackface. I it's know, right? The negativity or, or with- they, And then they try to backpedal back from that and claim, no, I only did blackface for my Michael Jackson costume in the 80s. Shut up! That's <laughs> from Virginia, by the way, so this this is really embarrassing for me. Uh, <laughs> it, goes, it goes back to the whole thing that um, Malcolm X said about when it comes to Democrats in the black vote and how they don't really care about us. They just use us as leverage so we can go ahead and vote and for the them. And the problem with that is that, like, since we have this shitty white-dominated, white supremacist two-party system, uh, the alternative is nothing, like, really, because the Republicans are even worse. So it's like, what are we going to do? Yeah, the Democrats have a history of using black people and people of color's fear of racism to deter them from not voting for Democrats at all. It's it's a very, very, let's say, just, like, abusive relationship that we have with them in general. <laughs> I can go into like a whole yeah, history. I feel like there's a lot of what was that? It's sort of like the, I think it's sort of like how Republicans use like white fears of like oh black people are taking over and stuff like that. Like I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a coincidence that hate groups jumped after Obama was elected and then after Obama we got like the most racist openly racist president that like we've ever could have gotten. Yeah, because, because I feel like Republicans stoked. Because Trump um, gives a lot of um, dog whistles, especially mm -hmm. especially with like back then in 2016 when he said um, they are rapists. It goes into the whole white fear of people of color, specifically black people, like, brown people. Of, yeah, to kill a mockingbird. The whole rape of the white women mm -hmm. kind of scares them into whatever their views are of being racist. <laughs> that's, all can, that's all I can say. I can't word it. But and, and the funny thing is, that, like, I feel like black women are some of, like, the most vulnerable people. 
the real vulnerable people in our society and like American society are actually black. Yeah, because Which, we're, we're seen more as objects in that we've been like very, very hypersexualized from the get go to slavery. You know, the reason why African Americans tend to have um, a quarter, a, around a quarter amount of European DNA within them because of rape. is because slavery. of the, it's because of rape. Yeah, it's because of rape in that. Slave masters were even encouraged to rape um, black women to mm-hmm. gain more slaves for the plantation because again it was it was it cost less and they did it specifically just because because um, raping your white wife was seen as looked down upon and so they turned to the black women who again they oversexualized them and called them temptresses and so they could get away with saying oh this black woman tempted me. And even even then, it's like um, they openly openly say that hey, these slave masters said openly, hey, this black woman is my mistress, and it was seen as like a status symbol to have even more of these black mistresses and more of the mulatto biracial children as well. It's it's a whole history I can get into. <laughs> this was uh, from the Bell Hooks like, book. There's a lot of history behind that. I like the most famous case is probably Thomas Jefferson. And, you know, like, I don't think eugenics was actually formalized as a belief system back then, but it was also believed that they were somehow making their slaves smarter by raping them because they, you know, because they considered black people subhuman. They, um, they would rape that, they, they, they'd rape their, um, and, and, you know, being lighter skinned, you were more likely to work in the house and stuff like that. Um, that was like, it's, it's still kind of iffy on, um, the whole... Um, light skin house, dark skin field because uh-huh. of the way that it was set up. So if you think of the whole black mammy stereotype or the aunt mammy stereotype, she tended uh-huh. to work in the house and she, the like her character was like dark skinned and heavier set weight and her shoes were like unfitting like she like they made her to look like a cow in like a certain way and like asexual Uh like an asexual being that was Uh that was sorry that was one of uh the caricatures in one of um bell hooks's books sorry i was just going into it but um no it's totally understandable like we can talk about this stuff because i feel like uh we we are going to talk a lot about leftist youtubers um as even leftist youtubers have admitted there's it, it, it it's been a little bit of a country club yeah, because um, I'm trying to remember back to what um, Allison S. from Twitter said. Like, she talked about how it was very good practice to have all these leftist YouTubers to come together and educate people. However, it could easily turn into an e-celeb landscape where people form, mm-hmm. again, those parasocial relationships and have and the whole deal of wanting to gain social capital. So people the viewers see them as a as a figure of authority when even like these people tend to be majority anarchists so they don't want people to see them as a figure of authority and they want them to have open and like balanced conversations with them but the way everything is these viewers tend to see them as like like they admire them but also on the flip side they see them as someone they should be listening to not in a way to like be educated but in a way because they are seen as Hi, to have they see us having higher social capital is what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and it has become a cloud game, and um, I think 
And so, you know, this all comes together, like, speaking of leftist YouTubers and the treatment of black women, we should probably go over the Angie Speaks thing a little bit. Okay, so yeah, the Angie Speaks thing, it, it goes, it centers back to, um, the Angie timeline when she reviewed Dr. Bones, who was an egoist. At the time, she didn't know all the things, all the horrendous, horrendous things he did. And after it came to light that he was sexually or just assaulting or abusing this person, um, she got targeted for yeah, supporting him. Hmm? We should probably explain. Dr. Bones was uh, like a leftist podcaster, I believe. Yeah. Who um, was getting a lot of clout and he used that clout basically to take sexual advantage of a bunch of, uh, of some women. And she didn't know that about that at the time. Yeah, so. she... Yeah, again, yeah, she didn't know, and because of that, um, because she was associated with him, like, she unknowingly, she, uh, she did not know that he did all of those horrendous things, but because she was associated with him during that live stream, she got targeted, and because she got targeted, um, she, in retaliation, and in response, she made that whole, um, cancer culture video, which, again brought to light about how we we view social capital it it's very insightful and it's it's cool that it was made out of like retaliation in response to like the criticism she was like the undeserved criticism that she was getting uh-huh let's see uh, yeah and it's it's kind of it, it's very complicated like he was in the yeah the part of the conjure house yeah uh blog which i'm not too familiar with but it's, uh, but it, it's it basically she interesting because they've got some religious beliefs in common, don't they? Uh, oh yeah, they're both they're both um, pagan. But like, I don't want to say like pagan because I don't I don't know specifically if Doctor Bones is pagan, but they are in the same circle of like witchcraft and um, changing reality so that it fits them. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And then later on, um, there was a, this incident still has not been entirely cleared up, so I, I, we're not going to use the real names of the people, but there was a case where uh, there were cross accusations of sexual assault between these two people. One of these people was a mod on Peter Coffin's chat logs during his streams, and because of that, uh, when all this stuff came out, he refused to um, make a comment or condemn whoever it was at first because he didn't know the full extent of the situation. Angie Speaks then did a video with Peter Coffin, and for that, she got targeted harassment, was called a rape apologist, had her, was nearly doxxed, had her um, a PayPal uh, hacked into, was called a rape apologist and a crypto-fascist. Now keep in mind, people at first were just mad at Peter Coffin for having this person as a mod, and he eventually removed them, and it took him a while to do that, which wasn't great, but it was... Um, Keep in mind, he did a video where he had a lot of people doing voiceover work, work, including Angie Speaks, but not just Angie Speaks. But it was Angie Speaks and Angie Speaks alone who got this level of harassment. It was even worse than what Peter Coffin himself got. And I say this as somebody who is now officially a mod on Peter Coffin's chat. Um, he's a he's a good guy, but he like he he refused to make a judgment on this. And Angie Speaks, who doesn't know any of the people involved, refused to make a judgment on this. <laughs> Uh, situation. So because of that, she got uh, dragged through the mud 
for you know being a collaborator and being a so-called rape apologist which she obviously is not so that's what happened there and she got accused of all sorts of like really really horrible things on one of my um tumblr posts about the subject they claimed her someone claimed well she sent her followers to attack the trans romani's uh sexual assault victim i'm like where what where where did she do that and guess what they had nothing no reply like show me show it to me complete bullshit it's like why like i don't understand why they would go ahead and just start even more chaos like from this and just make the water even more muddy and unclear just for the fun of it or just for the social club like i don't know and yeah to call someone a rape apologist just because like she was associated with someone like that she did she didn't even know the situation is like the issue is like she didn't even even know the whole issue so like how she could she could she be called a rape apologist if she didn't even know what was going on she was like she didn't mean to be dragged into like she didn't deserve to be dragged into this either and again h bomber guy and philosophy tube have been associated with peter coffin as well and mm-hmm. they've they even collabed. More collaborations even. Yeah, they've even yeah, collabed. They've more collaborations with Peter Coffin than Angie Speaks have. Like, literally, one of Philosophy 2's biggest videos, Should I Watch the News, has Peter Coffin in the fucking thumbnail. Nobody came, after, came for him. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it's... He yeah. was in that video, too. That's the best part. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, and I, I was like... Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, yeah, it's... Like, it's, in, like, it's interesting, like, because... Again, I know it's because Angie is such an easy target and because of the fact mm-hmm. that she's a woman and black, she's held to like a higher standard to these and certain she's things. she's also got a smaller audience too. That We, we probably should explain that. Otherwise, there are going to be people who are going, oh, you're forgetting that she has a smaller audience, that you're just claiming everything's about sexism and racism. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to claim that like sexism, racism is a huge part of this, but Yes, we are going to acknowledge that the fact that she has a much smaller audience than Philosophy Tube and H-Bomber Guy de- definitely played a part, so she was more vulnerable to this kind of attack. Um, if somebody had come for Philosophy Tube like they came for Angie, there would have been a huge, there'd have been a bloodbath. But, at the same time, I don't think that was the guiding, I, I don't think that was the entire long and short of it. Like, we cannot pretend that the fact that she's a black woman didn't have something to do with the way she was judged in uh, contrast to how the white men around her were judged. I mean, again, I can go back into the whole history of like (laughs) black women, like, cause black women are seen as, again, like we're seen more as objects and back then we were seen as someone who is unfit to marry and Mm -hmm to make that seem true there were caricatures created specifically the sapphire and so the sapphire caricature i'm not familiar with that one okay so i'm not familiar with that one. the sapphire caricature like it's in it's in bell hooks's um ain't i a woman like i really really recommend it to you when it talks about um black fem- feminism in general but the black sapphire is the black woman who is tends to be like very, very loud and very naggy. And Ah. it was created to, in general, make it seem like, again, black women weren't fit for marriage because 
they would be depicted as evil in a certain way. Okay, I found okay, I I found it. I said the sapphire image of this is from Bell Hooks's Ain't I a Woman. I'm citing it, guys, just so you know, I'm not plagiarizing. Um, the sapphire image of black of a black woman. She is depicted as iron-willed, effectual, treacherous towards um and contemptible of black men. The latter being portrayed as simpering, ineffectual, whipping boys. The latter is the, the latter I'm talking about is the black man. So certainly, most of us have encountered domineering black females and white ones too. Many of them have been unlucky in life and seek a bitter haven from their di- disappointments and fantastical self-sufficiency. The Sapphire image was popularized by radio and television show in which Sapphire is the nagging, shrewish wife of Kingfish. As the title indicates, the show is focused on the black male characters, Sapphire's shrewish personality, and was used primarily to create sympathy in the viewers. It's, it was to create sympathy for the black man um, to, towards the viewers because of the black nagging woman was, again, being very, very... Being matriarchal in order. Uh, the sapphire identity has been projected onto any black woman who overtly expresses bitterness, anger, and rage about her lot. Consequently, black women repress these feelings um, of fear of being regarded as shrewish sapphires. Or they embrace saf- that very Or they embrace the sapphire identity as a reaction to the harsh treatment of black women in society. The evilness of the evilness of a given black woman may merely be the facade she presents to a, a sexist, racist world that she realizes would only exploit her if she were to appear vulnerable. vulnerable. So that's that's the whole sapphire. And also the sapphire was also created again. It also helped with making white women seem more fragile. And it also kind of it was also kind of fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was also propped up to for, to make black women even hate to hate for black men to hate black women more, and yeah, that's one of the characters. Which, which is really hilarious because there are true there are true uh, archetypes and stereotypes about like white women too. So it just proved, I think that does go to prove like I, I get that it's it, it's got an extra dose of racism because there's the racial politic racial politique I guess dynamic to it but i think that like that whole thing makes a whole lot of sense to me yeah um, um like oh it's just that there's an extra added um ra- a politic political consequence i think for black women when these stereotypes are appro- uh, are applied to them yeah it goes back to there's- also it goes back to also the whole um there's a black female matriarchy myth in that black fem- in that black women tend to be the matriarch of the race when in reality that is not true because if you've seen the racism that a lot of us has faced a lot of us have faced yeah. it's it's not so especially with the whole especially with the amount of rape that again we tend to that receive if you can even go to black trans well, women hmm you read studies, they show, I think it shows that, like, in rape cases, when um, a convicted rapist is convicted of raping a black woman, he's less, he's likely to get, a, like, a lesser sentence than if he's convicted of raping a white woman. Yeah, it's because black women, it's because black women, they painted black women as being more sexual than white women. Like, again, um, white men were encouraged to, like, have sex with black women. Yeah, have sex with them all you want. Have sex with them all you want. You can do whatever you want with them. But remember, they're not marriage material. 
because mm-hmm. white women are well, viewed um, as that. Hmm? Well, yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, there's that, like, well, I mean, it, it, that's that's the thing I think that also is applied to black people in general. Like, like I, I'm gonna say this term and I hate saying it. It like tastes bad in my mouth to say it, but it's it's so common. I feel like, and I want people to stop saying this, but I've heard it a lot. Um, here I'm gonna say it. Ready? Jungle fever. I mean, yeah. A, that term, like, it's disgusting, and also it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, but, yeah. There's a reason, like, besides besides um why besides why um the whole racist caricatures of black women were put in place, uh, white women tend to not 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 white men. Um, black women tend to not choose to not date white men because they would get all the brunt of that jungle fever nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like black men, not so much because. Again, there's like that it's barrier of more sex. It's a dominance thing too, isn't it? Um, like, yeah, it's a uh, it's like, um, again, I'm going back to like Bell Hooks's book in AI Women. She said that as history went on, white women, white men became to be kind of more okay with black men dating white women because, again, they were both seen as lesser than them, and even. Mm-hmm during the whole interracial laws of the 70s, it was still centered around a black man. And it was centered around black men and white women. But when... Sorry, like, we're getting off on a tangent, but I'm still going back on. um, But because when a white man marries a black woman, the black woman and her children of the white men get his title and they take pretty much everything from him and to them, that's seen as being erased from existence. So yeah, it's probably that's why. Okay, I'm. Racism is so much fun, isn't it? I found the other one. I found the other bell hooks quote. It said, "Those men who accepted the myth that black women are matriarchs did regard black females as a threat to their persona." It's not at all peculiar to black men. Most men in patriarchal society fear and resent women who do not assume traditional passive roles. So this also goes back to the view of the sapphire. So by shifting the responsibility uh, for unemployment of black men onto black women and away from themselves, white races oppressors mm. were able to establish a bond of solidarity with black men based mutual sexism. And white men preyed upon sexist, the sexist feeling impressed on upon black male psyche from birth to socialized black men so that they would regard not all women, but specifically black women as enemies of their masculinity. That's what I wanted to get to. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, white women are just so delicate, right? Um, it, it but... didn't used to be. Like, it didn't used to be kind of like that. This was before um, slavery and that white women were seen as sinners in their sexuality. Like, what, like, the sins of Eve were placed on the white women. And so they were automatically viewed as evil because of all the things that Eve did. And so whatever bad thing happened to a woman, it was because, oh, because you have to make up for Eve. But when slavery came into place... Uh, around that same time, um, mm-hmm. the whole fetishization and admiration of the Virgin Mary kind of mm-hmm. aesthetic kind of came through. Yeah. Well, you know, there was um, this thing, you can find it in a lot of art, um, where they thought vaginas were so disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
like that the devil was afraid of them that's how gross vaginas were it was considered this horrible thing you just had to put up with to continue the species so there's like these these pictures there's these like images of like women scaring off the devil by lifting their i'm not making that up yeah back then it was wild but as the aesthetic for like the pure virgin mary came through that image was placed onto white women while the sins of eve being and the temptress of let's say delilah were pushed Uh all on black women and and even though and even with that so the purity of the virgin mary causes white women to be sexually repressed while Mm -hmm. the sins of Eve and the evil black women being overly sexualized, that was placed Uh on them of being overly sexual. So in both ways, it was both seen to control women in their sexuality. Yeah. yeah, It's it's always been about that. Like women, like like black women need to be dominated and uh, white women needed to be... Uh, I don't know, put on, a, like, a weird pedestal once the racial dynamics came in, I feel like. I feel like the, the archetype of the Southern Belle plays into that, like, really well. Like, you never saw, like, white, black women being treated as Southern Belle because of, well, because of everything we just talked about. Yeah, going back to so- slavery, um, black women were forced to do both, both the feminine and masculine jobs. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it goes with well, that. Part of the dehumanization, like yeah, and, yeah. But black men, like black men, black men did not get those feminine jobs. It was only yeah. the black women to reinforce like tradi- the traditional roles. And the Southern Belle, going back to the Virgin Mary, it kind of goes into that like archetype as well. And that's a that's a whole history. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, whole- a whole history. I feel like, and I wonder how much of that translates into consciousness. I I actually asked some, like, black women I know who are from, like, the UK, like, what do you guys go by? Are you guys, like, Anglo-African? Like, what's the the equivalent of African-American in England? They didn't, they just say, like, black English or black Scottish or black Irish. I'm wondering, like, if you're, like, black English, like, how does that play into the whole thing? Like, because clearly, uh, we're, clearly Andrew Speaks speaks to an uh, international audience. Yeah, and I mean they the face slavery. She's, she's also an open witch too. Yeah, yeah that's even true. that's even like worse because of the whole stereotype of again the black witch. Because again, it goes the whole it goes back to women being evil and the whole evil woman being placed on the black men, black women, and so again witchcraft being seen as evil. <laughs> it's a well, it's a double whammy. The other day about Tichabod. Yeah, well, like, I was asking the other day about Tichaba, because the Salem witch trials, like, the Jacobean witch trials were happening all over Europe, and the Salem witch trials, in a way, were a extension of that, but they were also, like, particularly racist, because the origin of the witchcraft among all these um, white women in in the Massachusetts colonies at the time, uh, or the New England colonies at the time, was placed on being introduced to the devil and devil worship and witchcraft by a slave named Tichuba. And to this day, like, we don't know, she might not have been black. We've yeah. mostly been assumed that she's been black. But it turns out she might have actually been Native American. Yeah. We literally aren't sure. That's how, like, how much of that has been erased. So I feel like that's a relevant point to bring up, too. Like, yeah, it, I think it, there's, like, an element of religious bigotry going on here, too, that is tied in with 
how Angie Speaks was treated. Yeah, it, it still plays into, like, the same thing of, like, the witch of color getting the brunt force of everything. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, that was that was a whole history of why of why people see black women as that and they get again the brunt force and, of negativity. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like people are like replacing all of all of the history of black women on Angie Speaks and I feel like maybe that's not that's probably problematic that if it sounds like we're doing that we we're not trying to do that. But Yeah, I she's not like she's not the spokesperson of black women. Yeah. No, no, Bell Hooks is down. <laughs> Bell, I, Bell Hooks, like we turned against <laughs> Bell Hooks the moment she started criticizing Beyonce, and <laughs> she did. <laughs> I have to, you I have to find it again. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, sorry, but like Beyonce is America. She's America. <laughs> I have to find it. I have to find that. I have to find that again of how like she talked about um lemonade or whatever and she ta- oh, no. yeah <laughs> and talking about beyonce in general and how she plays into great. yeah <laughs> bell hooks is fun like she's fun like like and how she plays into like um like the whole sexualization of the black women and all the other stuff again i still recommend i still recommend ain't i a woman like from her earlier works because it was good all of those quotes i did was from eight iron woman <laughs> just um, saying actually amazon has a triple like a bundle right there oh wait no wait this is offered it would cost this is stupid um because um yeah it, it's on amazon but it would they, they were putting it together outside by audrey um lord and angela Davis. Uh, women, race, and class, which you gotta read your Angela Davis for your social studies. Don't buy from Amazon. Go to the PDFs. Become a communist yeah. today. <laughs> Don't buy from capitalist Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what Angie Speaks would say. And I feel like I, Angie Speaks had to go off social media. She was she had to go off social media for a while, and I don't blame her for a while. Yeah, because, again, know, she has a history of anxiety and depression, so yeah, I would understand. Ugh. Exactly, especially when you're being called a rape ball. She's a sexual assault survivor, and I think like that's sort of like a relevant thing to bring up. All this stuff piled on her, all because she did a collaboration for a video, and she actually called out a few points. People will use their minority status, like she she pointed out that sometimes people will use minority status as a clout game in order to speak over others, and I think it's important to bring that up too. Yeah. Like I need, I need to find that tweet again that I from a person I followed called uh, Abazilla, and she she made a tweet about um, when when people start um, ranting about things that they don't really care about and to seem as though they care about it to get like social capital and then they bow and scene. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I need to find that. No, go for it. Like I I need to find it. Like because because no. it was just a picture. It was like because they were acting like they cared about this certain thing just to get like social capital sorry <laughs> you can go no i understand no 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 it's fine no go for it um, no like for instance like here's the thing like sometimes though you get caught up in the rant i think it's important to notice um like that sometimes you do get caught up in the fury of things too and it's something you're trying to get social capital like you feel angry because like you get kind of caught up in the fury over it like i really really hated the kendall jenner pepsi commercial um, and what i really 
like, and the reason, I hated it for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons I really hated it was it reminded me of the protests that happened in Louisiana. And I knew about this because, like, I lived in Louisiana for a time, and there was this woman there who had done, who had walked up to police officers at a Black Lives Matter protest and just stood in front of them and held out her hands. And the Kendall Jenner thing was clearly, like, sort of a takeoff on that, except it was a white woman doing it and offering a Pepsi. Yes, because social justice is quote unquote trendy right now. So what Pepsi Join did the Hmm Join the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so what Pepsi did was a failure. However, these companies are learning specifically how to deal with the trend of social justice. And so let's I say like Speaking of which, like, H. Palmer guy just released a video on woke brands, and I, like, he pointed out, like, what Nike did was actually brilliant. Yeah. Again, the companies uh-huh. are are learning how to position this, because they saw Pepsi and Pepsi failed, but again, like, like you said, um, the Nike ad, the Gillette ad, like, the whole quote-unquote feminist products that they put out as well. It's, it's a lot. Like, and the thing is, these companies wouldn't ha- have cared about this, about social justice, if it wasn't profitable. They're like, see, mm-hmm. oh, the numbers. Well, the- like the Je- the new Just Do It campaign, Kaepernick ad, like they are profiting off of the outrage from like anti BLM people, and um, like they're burning their Nike shoes, and it's so embarrassing. But at the same time, like you, like you know, they're gonna like go back and have to buy new Nike. <laughs> and like, you already bought it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And, and, and you know, like you already bought it, so you burning these shoes does not matter at Nike. They don't give a shit. Uh, it's like the like, which leads us kind of into H. Bomber guy's video about this is that like these companies, they know they know better, like. They're learning better, and they're learning how to put off the outrage. I actually think that um, last time I checked, like actually, Pepsi's sales went up a bit after that commercial. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's just like ridiculous. Any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then it was like the Sean Hannity thing with her coffee maker destroying their current coffee machine. <laughs> like, like Nike did pull it off really well, and then and then like H. Brown guy in his videos like, by the way, there's they still use sweatshop labor a lot, and it's like you know Colin Kaepernick's a good dude, and it's good that they were shedding light on like black athletes like LeBron James doing really really good things and everything like that. But at the same time, like Nike does sweatshop labor. I mean, at so... the end of the day, it's for a profit, and I mean, yeah, they mm-hmm. can do all that social justice stuff, but at the end of the day. Like, if it wasn't seen, if putting Colin Kaepernick was seen as something negative, they wouldn't have done it at all, to be honest, because it wouldn't have been profitable. Can I ask ask you something? Hmm? When it comes to Colin Kaepernick, do you think that maybe he gets, like, maybe, uh, I shouldn't say he gets, because he did not get away, like, he's been kind of, the way he's been treated by the the NFL has been terrible, but, like, he's light-skinned. Do you think there's any colorism way he's like viewed colorism to the way he's viewed versus like maybe how like a dark-skinned black man might have been treated um because somebody somebody said something about that on twitter i don't remember who it was but like it kind of stuck in my head yeah it can be i mean he's again he's biracial and so people view will view like 
paler or lighter toned skin people um, be more empathetic towards them. Like, I can go into like the whole white sociopathy and how they tend to not be empathetic towards browner people. And so when, again, if you see like a lighter skinned person um, getting bashed, then I guess there could be more empathy. And then also with him being biracial as well, he that card could play into, oh, he has races of two parents, but he's still getting all of all of this negativity and getting blackballed from the NFL. That could also play into it. Like it's not it's not out of the ballpark that there is some colorism within here. Mm. I like normally I wouldn't ask that, but I didn't feel like talking about it. I don't feel like there should be any like stone left unturned on this. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so much discussion. I feel like a lot of people like, one of the biggest problems I think we have when we talk about race in America is how we try to simplify it too much. Yeah, it's because people don't want to talk about it because because it's it's so complex and mm-hmm. because of the way our environment is to want to get everything like very very fast paced and direct, but you have to actually sit down for days and even weeks to even months to get everything down because again these books created by um, black activists took them what months a year to write these specific books. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen within, like, a day. You you would have to dismantle everything to get to the bottom of, like, the specific racism, like, that this country holds. Because, again, this country was built off of imperialism and racism. And so you would have so to discuss it. Everybody would have to look within themselves. And like Angie said, Angie Speaks said, do shadow work and look at their own demons. But... People aren't able to do that because one, it's it can be like very very traumatizing and and scary, and two because again, a lot of us just don't have time anymore because of the yeah. whole nine to five, having children to care about. It's it's a lot. So I feel like one of the biggest like fuels for the right wing, um, in a lot of ways, is exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Just pure exhaustion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because every other day, there's some, every other day, there is something. And having to put all your energy into everything. And I feel like there's a lot of politics. And so, I, so that we actually. Oh my God. God, I, I just found something. I can't believe it. What? So, um, there's this YouTuber who is definitely not a left-tuber. His name is, uh, I, I don't remember his last name, and I don't, I, no, actually I do, but I'm not gonna say his full name, but he, you guys probably know him as YMS, aka Your Movie Sucks, and he just posts, apparently he just posted something on Twitter just a couple days ago, and it's, it's kind of blowing my mind that he actually said that. Um, he said that now that 2020 is actually looking serious, I would just like to remind everyone to be mindful of propaganda over the next couple of years. The internet is a powerful tool. Reddit is easy to manipulate. Fact check. Don't believe something just because it has a lot of upvotes. It is so weird to have him saying that. You are not immune to propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But YMS, like, YMS still, he hasn't moved yet? He hasn't moved? He hasn't moved left yet? No, he hasn't. Uh, I'm glad, like... Uh, I kind of dropped him, like, back when I was in, like, um, high school, middle school, like, I would follow him, um, I Hate Everything, and, um, 
Ralph and like Ralph the movie maker. But then again, be- mm-hmm. but because um, a lot of their stuff got for me, a lot of their stuff got like really, really, really stale because like how um, I think Lindsay Ellis says thing bad, saying thing bad all the time kind of gets old. <laughs> yeah. And oh, so yeah, and he, like, I'm sorry, but YMS's stuff especially has become very uh, cinema sinsy, which is probably the worst yeah. thing I've like, him. <laughs> and like, so. And I, and I like a lot of the same movies he likes too. That's the weird thing. Yeah. I often agree with his opinions. I just hate how he says them. Yeah, and he 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 kind of uses he kind of uses the R slur a little bit. And that's that's a whole other thing. But like when I moved to actual better (laughs) uh, video essayers, that's when yeah, those people tend to be more left leaning. Like coincidentally. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, but Renegade Cut has more success than YMS does. Renegade Cut is amazing, and, like, Leon Thomas is even, a, like, a tenth as success. hasn't gotten a, t- a tenth as many followers as YMS, or especially Ralph the Movie Maker. I really, I, I, I mean, I don't want to be a dick, <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? I don't want to be a dick, but, like, I, I don't care much for Ralph the Movie Maker. Like, even when I, even when I listen yeah. I mind, this is before he dashed Wonder Woman, and I lo- I was right or back for Wonder Woman. Um, uh. He, he uh, like, uh, so, like, I didn't really care. Uh, there are plenty of people who these opinions I don't agree with, and I still like listening to them. Like, I don't think Beauty and the Beast is as good as Lindsay Ellis thinks it is. But I get where she's coming from, and I like the way she expresses her opinions. I don't uh, want any more. No more Disney live action movies. Bring back 2000s Radio yeah. Disney. Bring back my Hillary Duff. Have... Bring back my original oh. Hannah Montana. Bring back Bowling yeah. for Soup. Bring back JoJo. I want to hear 1985 again. I want to hear Coming Clean. Bring back Disney Radio 2000s. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, but like, they're remaking my favorite movie of all Lilo and Stitch. Okay, I'm. My door is open to crack. It's it's open to crack a little bit, a little bit. If they talk about if no, they talk no, about if they talk about how horrible tourists are, then it'll open my door will open a little bit wider. <laughs> so, you know, there's actually if you go on YouTube, you can. That was actually in gonna, gonna uh, have Lilo um, deal with a bunch of tourists asking her if she spoke English, and then her playing a prank on the. T- <laughs> yeah, I knew about that. <laughs> and 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 they they cut it, and I hate that. But I think my favorite movie of all time. Boo. I cry at least like three times every time I. Oh yeah, I told you this, like, cause I love the whole like sister dynamic with like Nani mm-hmm. and Lilo, cause it's just it's just like so emotional and just so sad. It's like I just love I just love their bond in general. Just like oh. Because Nani was forced to become Lilo's parent, which is not something any like sibling should be forced no. to do. <laughs> and 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 Lilo says like I like you better as a sister than a mom, and you can tell that Nani likes it's... herself better as a sister than a yeah. mom too. They, I just don't want them to fuck up um, the Hawaiian roller coaster ride scene because that water animation was so pretty. Don't I, mess uh, it up. Well, also the other thing I hate is um, the other thing I hate is uh, I'm really worried they're gonna make Naughty skinny. Ah, uh, boo, boo. Yeah, I, I really don't want that. Like, yeah. 
ブーブー !Make her curvy!She doesn't have to have abs!Just make her curvy and dark skin, please!Please do make her dark skin! <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Like, they have, like, I think, you know, Lilo and Stitch is one of those reasons I think Tia Carrera is really underrated. Why, what's overrated? Tia Carrera. Oh, is yeah. very over, uh, under, I mean, not, sorry, not overrated, underrated as a, Tia Carrera is underrated as an actress because she was so good as Nani. And I want my curvy, dark-skinned Hawaiian because when I was younger, I saw her and I was like, oh, she looks like me. <laughs> Even though I'm not Hawaiian. But still, it's like seeing that. It really, really helped me. It really, it really excited mm -hmm. me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we. Okay. We go off in tangents here. Yeah, what else do we have to say? We have a lot of things to say, as you guys can probably tell. And we're we're trying to get more of a structure going, but this is our first episode, which is why we are talking about a thousand different things in, in one. But I think we have a lot to say about adults. And, but, yeah, so basically, one of the things that has come from the Angie Speaks thing, which I think is positive, is a lot of leftist YouTubers and a lot of leftist YouTube followers are coming together to create a protocol to, to deal with situations like this. When there are like cross accusations and you know when it's people people know and how how we protect victims and keep this from like instead of creating more victims because let's face it none of the harassment angie speaks got um help anybody it just created a new victim it didn't help the person who was attacked i like she was not helped by this no one was yeah so you know, like there was there was no positives against this, and we gotta learn. Um, so I know there's right now. I'm not gonna say too much about it. I want to be let out right now, but not right now. Like left this left tuber and left tuber creators and um, followers right now who are trying to craft something that would help um, people deal with this sort of like online hoopla and um, cross accusations and situations like this which i think is vitally important especially in cases where maybe names are not known and um where you got like a hazy situation like this where like when i first heard about this like i didn't even know the names of the actual people involved that's how crazy mm -hmm. and how how out of outlandish it was and when i tried to google it or look it up i couldn't find anything concrete i had to go to the sources on this because there was so much misinformation out there already. Yeah. Um, Gwen from Gwen No Fear, um, her YouTube video, she discusses about, like, the structure of Left Tube mm -hmm. and discusses that whether Left Tube can actually be a safe place for people. And she says that, um, hold on, let me, let me. Bring it up. She says she states that left tube is not a safe it's not a safe space because it is not a controlled and isolated environment. Like she she brings up the definition of safe 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 spaces, and that definition is in a controlled and isolated environment. And she says this is quoting from the video. The assumption that YouTube is a controlled environment is wrong, and we can't control who engages with people. We can't control who engages with people on YouTube. Um, safe spaces are generally in person and people are held immediately accountable for their conduct, which is not happening within the sphere at all. 
no one is held, mm-hmm. being held immediately accountable. And social media does not allow people to respond in person, which is also another big issue because these issues are very, very personal. And yeah. if we were in like the reality non-internet sphere, um, a lot of the stuff coming out probably we probably wouldn't know about or probably wouldn't even be within our business or within our realm to understand what was going on, but because how social media is, we're in everybody's business, but, um... Yeah, and everybody's business becomes everybody else's business. Yeah. She also states that Left 2 does not have the resources in the form of having an ever-present formalized, like, ever-present formalized online resource, um, like, on-site therapists. Because, again that takes a lot of energy for specific people to stay online and come to them about specific things. Like if we can get people like that who specialize in therapy as leftists, then that would be cool. But um, she also says that this, this is why left tube cannot, ah, uh, these lines, this is why left tube cannot, and it's unable to be a safe place for rape survivors. survivors. She believes, she believes that. I think, yeah. Yeah. And I think the parasocial element is very. Yeah. Um, hold on. Going more. Gwen believes that this can be. This can be very. Ah, these lines. This can be very frightening for people, especially for the ones who have mental illness. Yeah, because she's just she's saying because left tube isn't inherently a safe space because of how spread out everything is. Nothing is very, very controlled. It is very frightening for people um, who are rape survivors, especially with people with mental illness. Like, she even mm-hmm. came out and said she had bipolar disorder. And so, when it comes I, to... I can speak to this personally, because yeah. I'm a sexual assault survivor, and I am I have bipolar disorder as well. I can tell you guys... Yeah. Know, like, if you're looking to left tube to give you a shining way, you're not gonna get it. Like, and I think that builds into like something else we've, we've talked about like in, in our personal conversations about how formalized left tube should become like should they become more of a community like the, the actual left tube or should they become more of a formalized community or not if that's even possible and how that affects like the viewership overall yeah it's, I'm it's... happy that there's a growing leftist presence on YouTube because we've had for too long that's been too long like a lot of like right leaning spaces even supposedly progressive people who are actually like really socially quite backwards people who um were allowed to dominate this platform that is just becoming more hugely influential every day like even right to doesn't have like a full isolated community because they infight within themselves if you want to be honest like a lot of them deny that they're even a community which i can tell you from personal that they have started doing that even though they used to be all about claiming that they were buddy buddy yeah they call now, themselves not so much. yeah they call each other names and police each other not police each other but call each other out all the time like white knighting people and it also said gwen from the youtube video said she's livid that the left she's livid that the left two community has a group of people who are bad actors and who are racist and transphobic when and especially when they can get away with it and there are and there are people who are being performative, who are betraying the trust of comrades. And she also mm-hmm. says that we create narratives and framings that validates our own feelings and that we need to be suspicious of well-intentioned people who reframe things, reframe the things people do. She even said, um, Gwen herself said to be suspicious of her because again, 
Um, she can only speak from her own reality and from the own narratives that were created for her that she sees because we all frame things, but we shouldn't, we all frame things in different ways, but we shouldn't allow these narratives to prevent us from seeking the truth. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it can be very, very uncomfortable too. Like it's sometimes like taking shit and, uh, like facing facts on things can be very difficult like there can be some very but even when it gets on we have to we have to have our ears open and our mouths shut sometimes and i feel like we do the opposite too often so i think she's right about that yeah um and back to she sort have she she well she does she criticizes angie and um peter coffin in that she believes she believes that some of the things that they have said feed into the cultural dispositions into um rape apologia like and they don't mean to like she says this she says that they don't mean to, but it still feeds into, like, rape apologia and that their search for, to um, elucidate their actual point of view. They ended up saying things that don't represent what they believe. However, Gwen states that she knows that she knows that they don't defend, like, the rapist. And she believes that they are good comrades. They are good comrades making the wrong kinds of arguments. And she recommended um, the ship of Theseus with how um going into um wording things that you don't mean can be harmful um yeah she mentioned the ship of theseus with that too and yeah, yeah that was I, the end of yeah, it yeah um for people who don't know the ship of theseus was this ship that like it went on a and as it was returning it uh, kept breaking and uh parts of it had kept having to be replaced until every part of it was replaced so it's this common like philosophical question is is the ship that returned with that was made entirely of uh, replaced parts the same ship that left it so yeah that is the ship of theseus yeah so saying that you don't have all the facts or that you don't know about it or that you don't have enough information to know kind of feeds into that rape apology that she was talking about and then she also discusses um andy's use of the word um triggering and she understands it's because she understands that it's because when you are bashed so much when it comes to people in bad faith calling you a rape apologist and all this other stuff that, that you belong at the that when a person that's that, that come yeah um that when a person um comes in good faith to you says that hey what you're saying is bad or very very or that triggering is not a good thing to say you end up blowing up because you've already faced so much of that negativity like and she like she says that like um like she knows that yeah you end up again blowing up because you face so much of the brunts of people bashing and bashing you negatively like even I like, feel like a lot of timing needs to be like, considered when you approach somebody who's going through that sort of shit storm too yeah and even what? with that like it was it was like it was like very distasteful what she says and she understands like again i really do hope like when she calms down she's able to apologize for that because i don't like because i see her as someone who's who would be able to do that but yeah, again, when you're when you're constantly being faced with negativity, you start to not see who's coming to you in good faith or not, which is also a, a terrible thing when it comes to leftist YouTube in general. Mm-hmm. And that was that was it on her that was it on her video. Yeah, 
yeah, there there are ways to like approach these things. Like we also have to remember, is like a lot of people think, like, oh, these people are not perfect. Like nobody's perfect, and nobody's a perfect leftist, and nobody's perfectly woke or whatever, whatever word you want to use. Um, and it's especially when somebody is under a great stress. Like let's say you're like you've spent like your entire holidays being attacked on all sides, being called a rape apologist just because you're hesitant to. Um, disown somebody that you kind of know, or let's say you're not even a third party to a situation, but you're an eighth party to a situation. Suddenly, somebody's telling you to cast judgment on something and calling you a rape apologist and a crypto fascist and telling you you belong on the end of a rope um, yeah. for not judging a situation on that. Like, you're not going to be able to be clear headed and offer the perfect response to that. And I think that's really need to keep in mind when um, discussing this sort of thing. Yeah. Especially when you're we're doing it through the medium of social media because social media uh especially something like twitter could be real it can be incredibly reactionary for everyone regardless of your position on the socio-political uh spectrum you know what i mean yeah so like so i feel like that's an important part and an important thing to like keep like i can't imagine being in the situation that andy pressure she said and i've had undeserved social media crap thrown at me before but like nothing on the level that she got and nothing on the level that peter coffin got so like i'm kind of like a little bit more like ah, i don't know like you know, you know what i mean yeah so i'm a little more forgiving of them especially given the ridiculous things that were thrown at the floor at the same time this was happening i know like peter coffin had been um hounded about this whole situation like even before christmas and at the same time, he was giving, being, being given shit for the fact that he's a gender. Oh. Um, and people claiming that, like, he's just lying about it to get social clout or whatever. Like, because apparently he doesn't present as female enough to be a gender. Oh. <laughs> which is complete, because it's just complete horse shit, by the way. Like, because apparently, apparently because he has a beard. Because he doesn't wear skinny jeans, and because he has a wife and kids, he can't be, he has to, that's, that's, that makes him a man in every way, and that he has to feel male gender, and that's complete bullshit. And I feel like a lot of that, when you're getting, it's really hard to, I mean, I, I still don't know exactly what happened in the situation, and I've been, like, following it very closely for the last couple of weeks. And I feel like when you're in the midst of a complete social media shitstorm like they have been, it's kind of hard to properly um uh, uh, properly respond to anything especially everything you're going to say is going to be considered wrong for but in some way by somebody you know what i mean yeah especially because again social media is such an open sphere which is like which is which is why like the protocol is gonna be kind of difficult to create such a vast protocol because of how open like the leftist spaces, especially when it comes to left tube. And again, because of how um, Gwen discussed that it's not really a safe space for people because your views on how the world, how you view the world does not auto automatically mean that you are a good person, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, well, so, Harvey Weinstein was out of Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and again, and again, like left tube is not a safe space. Like it's it's like it's unfortunate that it's not. But again, but, because everything is so open. Tube, hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I can tell you, like, left tube, like, you get, there is social capital to be gleaned from there, like, and I can tell you that as somebody who recently gained some social capital in left tube, like, I, we're probably going to gain some social capital in left tube <laughs> if this, if this works out, you know? Yeah. Like, and, but we can tell you, like, it, it, this does exist, and we, people need to, like, realize that that does not make anybody ex- experts on anything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, like, we're just people who are saying something loudly enough that some people are hearing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, like... So, yeah, you're not going to get a perfectly... Like, I'm not a therapist. You're not a professional person. Like, a perfect, you know, uh, espouser of woke or proper uh, leftist beliefs, Marxist beliefs, whatever you want to call it, feminist beliefs. You know, it's just not going to happen. And, uh... And that's an important, like, topic and point to keep in mind. Forget about clout. Like, don't expect anybody to be perfect. And don't expect everybody to have an answer for you on a situation. Especially if it's a situation they, they're really not that connected with. And try to think, like, if you're really com- really angry at somebody, try to analyze where that anger is. I think is the advice I give some people who might have, like, seen this Sandy Speak situation and been like, well, why doesn't she come out and say this she Wait didn't know. <laughs> yes. Exactly. 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 And I think it's like, if you're coming at this from like, she's supposed to be better at this. It's like Sarah said, said we hold for, for, unfortunately, we hold people unfair standards, especially if they're from minority groups. And so they are judged more harshly and they shouldn't be. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Um, Angie is not the uh, spokeswoman for all black women. <laughs> Just calling it yeah. out there right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, d- uh, don't think that like, you know, like I like I'm I'm a Jewish woman. I for all Jewish women. Like, for instance, I'm not very uh, big on Israel, for instance, and I know that there be a lot of Jewish people who if I if a lot enough Jewish people hear this there's going to be a few people who are going to be very angry that I just said that but you know like you got to keep that in mind nobody and nobody's going to be the perfect little black person or the perfect little woman or the perfect little feminist Marxist or the perfect Jew nope even people with like stop expecting them yeah 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 it also goes with like what you said with sarah z and like the whole parasocial relationship and how you kind of again see someone as that whole embellished perfect person that you admire and so it hurts a lot when they do something terrible (laughs) and then you start to bash them or they mess up yeah yeah with that in mind, I think we are coming up, we are just over and I want to thank anybody who's listened to this. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is our first episode and we're going to be exploring a few different directions for this podcast. Is there anything you want to say, uh, Deanna? Before we sign out? Um, get that cash in this capitalist system. That's all I got to say. Get that cash. Do what you got to do. <laughs> Enjoy Black History yeah. Month. Enjoy like the last. Hold on, what date is it? Enjoy the last. It's the last six days. Enjoy the last six days of Black History Month. Hopefully, we'll something will turn around during this Black History Month. Yeah, if not, yeah, seriously. If not, I demand 
that we um, change the month to June when all of this other stuff cranks up because June is always such a fun month. And plus, plus we all we get all of the cool summer songs or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Alrighty then. Okay. Well, we're signing off now, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we might have said some things that might make you uncomfortable. We are we're speaking from hearts. So. Uh, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, um...